Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week, we actually are talking with my boyfriend about what it's like to date someone with an invisible disability. I've heard a few people ask questions and show curiosity and interest in hearing from him on his experience with it. So here it is. If you have more questions, please feel free to shoot us a message and let us know. We have a guest today that I've been asked to have come on a couple times now. So uh, my long-term partner, Aaron, is joining us for a discussion about dating someone with an invisible disability. Who knew this is something people wanted to hear, but I guess we'll (laughs) give it to them. Yeah. So I guess we should just like start from the very beginning and talk about, I guess, our first discussion. Yeah. That I even, like, had medical problems. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even remember the discussion. But, <laughs> really? Or when it, when it was brought up, but... I'm pretty sure it was, like, one of our first dates. Okay. Because you saw my scar and, like... Yeah. It kind of got brought up, but... I don't think we had a deep discussion about what it was for. I think I just said it was from a surgery, and then we didn't talk about it for a few months. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I was curious, but I didn't... Obviously, just walk up to you and ask you what it was. <laughs> you know, I, I think you were wearing a crop top at that time or something when I first saw it. So, but I don't remember being, you know, overly interested in it at first. But yeah, I mean, I noticed it. Yeah, I think I remember it was when I was living in Virginia and we were. You came to visit for a week around like Christmas time or something, Thanksgiving, somewhere in that time frame. And we were talking about like actually being in a relationship and it got brought up of like, what is that? I guess we should talk about it. Yeah, but I I don't, yeah, I I still, (laughs) I wish I could recall like the (laughs) the exact moment, but I think we, yeah, we we just waited till it felt natural to, to bring up. I mean, I'm sure you were really nervous about it at the time, but I couldn't tell. (laughs) No, it definitely came up naturally. I just remember you being really like, I only, you were like, I want to know everything, but just what you want to tell me. Yeah, I mean. Which made it really hard for me to tell you, like, everything, because it's a long story. Well, I think things like this, you need to really start with the basics of, you know, helping the person understand what it is. I think you started out with literally the medical definition, (laughs) you know, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, maybe for somebody else, you might have to explain it differently. But I think, you know, you told me you had bladder extrophy growing up as a kid and then what it was, you know, bladderborne inside the body and, you know, kind of the generalized journey of, of what you had been through and you know where you got your scars from basically just a a you know introduction if you will (laughs) a teaser yeah a teaser trailer (laughs) for the movie later (laughs) yeah yeah for the documentary series (laughs) so then i guess the next part of that was how did you feel about all of it 
Like, what was your initial reaction to everything? I was honestly, I'd say unfazed. Because <laughs> you don't really know, like, somebody's explaining something to you what it is, but I don't think I had, like, a negative reaction or, you know, a... I, I just, I just, it was, it is what it is, you know? I just heard you out and was ready to learn, I guess, about what this all entails, because it is a lot, but you got to ease into it, so. Yeah. yeah, and I think you did. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't just throw it all at you all at once. <laughs> yeah. It's a process. Yeah. Like anything in life, so. Yeah. So, I've always been curious about this, but was it something that you had to think about when we were deciding to like be in a serious relationship 100 percent, no not at all really no absolutely not i wasn't even on my radar really of course yeah because at that point i was just considering at that time we were long basically long distance i had gone out to virginia to visit you for the summer and (laughs) from california and we were deciding if we were gonna start a relationship and if eventually we went to Seattle together and all that stuff. So I was trying to figure out the logistics of being with somebody and you yeah. having a, a, a different state. <laughs> yeah. And you having a medical medical condition was never on my radar of, yes, we should be together or no, we should not be. It was. It just was. It just was. So. Oh. Yeah. That's sweet. I'm trying. <laughs> so it's been hard, I think. And you can tell me. If you think I'm wrong, but I've always found it difficult to loop you into all of my stuff that's happening. Like whenever I have an appointment and things like that, like I have to really think about it to bring it up in conversation and be like, oh, hey, I have a doctor's appointment I have to go to and this is what it's for. Because you just don't think to tell me or? I just, yeah, I'm so, I've, I don't know, I guess just like. I've never had somebody to share it with what that you, really, like, I don't know, I was serious with. But, I mean, other than, like, my mom. <laughs> well, I think it also comes, part of it comes down to that you're such an independent soul. And even though your mom was there to support you your entire life through this, you know, medical condition, you also have been very independent in your own care for a long time. Everything from pulling your own tubes out or... <laughs> yeah, I, I think... You, so, yeah, you, you're just such an independent soul that it might... It just never... Sometimes doesn't come in a conversation. So I've, I've had to work my way into it a little bit. More so just to be able to support if you need a ride to an appointment or if I need to be there for you, which I've never actually had a, any of your appointments where I've needed to sit, sit in the office with you or the... No, but you've gone and waited with me in waiting rooms and like that was enough for, for those appointments. That was enough. Yeah. And I think with your level of care and where you're at in your medical journey with recovery and or rather in your medical journey, you're at a point where it, we're just maintaining so yeah. you're not having major surgeries and you know operations and procedures and that sort of thing so a lot of the stuff is going and getting your kidneys checked and 
going to Dr. Lorenzen for uh, just a regular checkup or whatever. So maybe down the line, if things happen and we need to, you know, more drastic steps to be taken or more in in depth procedures, that sort of thing, of course. But I think you, I think you have it on wrap. You have it under wrap yourself. You, you, you take care of it because you know it's best for your body and you know what you need to do. And unless it affects me directly, it's not really something that maybe I, maybe I would like to know about it, but I don't need to know about it. You know, so. Do you wish I'd share more with you about it? Only if you need the support. Really, you know, I mean, that's maybe that sounds a little heartless, <laughs> but you know, you have to work it out with your partner and who they are as a person and how they deal with their own medical issues. And if they need more support, then of course, but unless you're asking me for the support, then probably not. So, yeah, can you generally sense when it's like an appointment? an appointment that I'm like scared about. Oh yeah. So I've had a few where I've definitely been like really nervous about and Yeah, of course. You you generally vocalize to me when you're feeling nervous about an appointment or a procedure or what have you, which doesn't happen very often, but I can see I can see physically just by your mannerisms and reactions, that sort of thing prior to your appointment, but you generally tell me if something is bothering you. The, in regards to an appointment or what have you, so. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best way that you think you can support me? By being there in any sense that you need. If you need me to be boots on the ground and at an appointment with you or in a procedure. <laughs> boots on the ground. Yeah, if you, I, if you need me rocking and rolling and you need me by your side and... <laughs> driving you to everything and helping you manage your medications or you know, appointment scheduling or that sort of thing. Absolutely. But if you just need me to be a silent supporter on the side, then it just comes down to what your person needs. And of course, if you're, if it, if it feels like to me that you need the support and you're, you're not asking for it, I would obviously ask you directly because sometimes it's hard to admit something or if yeah. you need help and it's easier to get that help if somebody offers it. I have trouble asking for help too. I think we all do in a, in a bit of a sense, but you're also very stubborn. So. <laughs> in a good way. In a cute way. Oh. So, but yeah, just, I already forgot the original question, but. That's okay. We were talking about how you can best support me, but well, I use you as a sounding board sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, like when I'm thinking things through or like thinking even my own feelings regarding an appointment, sometimes I just like talk to you about it and work out my own feelings around I mean, I, it. <laughs> I think that's important in, in any aspect in a relationship, but especially with medical decisions. Because even if I don't have the answer for you, usually you can talk yourself through variables and options and outcomes and it, what you'll usually figure out what's best for you. So, yeah, that's totally that, and that's a style of support. It is. Yeah, I think that's why I thought of it. So if it works best for you, then do it that way. I know that one I've found helpful 
sometimes, and I think this is more of like, I think I have to tell you to put your foot down a little bit more with me, but like, you'll notice things and like, you'll bring it up in conversation or like, tell me about it. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's just my body. But I think sometimes you need to put your foot down and be like, no, go talk to a doctor. Cause I mean, even recently I had like a low grade UTI for like nine months and didn't know, but you the entire time were like, babe, something's wrong. Yeah. I mean, those things are hard, right? Like, and it's a sensitive subject depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. Like I, I was, I'm glad you brought it up cause I was going to try to allude without saying you know, oh, what no. it was, but Just... yeah. So of course, like I, I do, you have to be attentive of course too, and use your intuition as well for your partner. So if you see something or something is different that maybe they don't notice, of course, bring it up in whatever way that you most feel most comfortable or is going to make your partner feel comfortable because that can be hard that can be hard to do oh yeah i mean it's, how do you politely tell someone your pee's really stinky go see a doctor yeah i mean honestly like that's <laughs> it's not easy that's some so going back to the the uti thing that we were just kind of using as an example i we yeah, it was, I don't know if it was for nine months, but... It was a long time. It was for, you know, at least four or five months. I had noticed that, of course, Becky still deals with some incontinence. But other than that, that's really it. And so we do change the sheets every once in a while. But I noticed that, you know, the the pads and stuff that smelled different. They There was a different odor and, you know... Um, with intimacy and you know how far you yeah, want to get into I mean, this but you know you just you notice a change and I, I remember like when I, I first noticed it that I was thinking of a way to bring up that topic with you and I did a few times but I also didn't really know the best way to approach it because how do you tell somebody hey your pee stinks <laughs> I you know, I don't know what it is exactly, but something's different and I and I know it's different, so I'm letting you know. And then you do whatever you want with that information. But it comes to a certain point in time where when do you stop pestering and when do you start saying, Hey, like for real, there's something wrong here and you need to go to a doctor. Yeah. Because for something like that, yes, it's not life threatening and it's not I mean, you could apply this example to anything. It could have been, It could be life-threatening. It luckily wasn't, but it could have been. Right, and I don't know too much about UTIs, but I do know that, you know, I mean, you do do get them quite often, but that's really, a lot of that's due to your previous medical history. But with that being said, yeah, how do you bring something up like that in a way that is respectful and supportive and without making that other person feel guilty or uncomfortable or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think you did. It just like happened so many times and you brought it up so many times that I think we did kind of pass a threshold where you could have been a little bit more like, okay, I don't just think you should go to the doctor. Like I want to sit down and actually have you call the doctor like I'll sit with you and call like, well see that's also another conversation to have we've never run into a situation like this where I've had to not force you to go to a doctor but advocate for you to to go see a doctor 
very insistently. Yeah. Because usually you're pretty good at taking care of your own problems. There are some things, you know, we all hate needles and shots and, <laughs> you know, going so many times the doctor can be traumatizing. Listen to the uh, medical trauma episode that just dropped <laughs> about that. But how do you push your partner? Yeah. Once it reaches that certain point to if they're not taking care of themselves. Yeah. Because you fully expect somebody to be in charge of their own medical decisions. But, you know, you also have to, as a partner, if you see somebody not doing something, whether it be out of fear or what's the word? Well, and for me, with this specific instance, anyways, I, I've i had so many UTIs that I, I thought I knew what they felt like. And like for most of us, you know, we do know how to recognize them. And like we were very well in tune with our bodies and like can can sense when something is wrong. And so I thought for sure there was nothing wrong because it was manifesting differently than I've ever had a UTI manifest for me. Right. Previously. And so that's why I thought you were wrong. Uh, yeah, I do remember saying you have a UTI. I, I think you have a UTI. And you did say you that. You said, no, this isn't what it feels like when I have one. And I said, okay, you know what you're doing. You know? Yeah. And lo and behold, blood work like five months later showed that I had a UTI. <laughs> and then a week after <laughs> taking the medicine, it was we were totally back to normal. Yeah. And there was no odor. and. But so. I remember coming back and saying, well, yeah. My blood work showed I have a UTI, and you were just like... Yeah, but I'm not going to sit there and say, ha-ha, I told you so. You know? No, and I maybe, know, but... Maybe in a joking way, but yeah. at the end of the day, I just want you to be healthy. So, next time... And this is a lesson learned. Yeah. You don't know until you experience it. Yeah, and this was our first experience of having this be a problem, so... Yeah, so it's, it's just being a supportive partner... And understanding what level you are in their support system for their own medical decisions. And then if you need to take it a step further, even if you haven't had that conversation before with your partner, as far as advocating for them to go to a doctor or something, then that's that's a decision that you need to make. But you need to figure out how you're going to approach them and how you're going to discuss it uh, based on how you think they're going to react. So Yeah. And hopefully you have a good enough relationship like, like we do that... Right. It's not too hard. Yeah. you. I mean, you have to have great communication yeah. outside of talking about medical stuff before you can even, or, you know, hopefully you have a great relationship with, within communication before you even get to talking about medical stuff because, and that's the thing too, like, I, I think I already said it, you know, a few minutes ago, but I want you to feel like you're in charge of your own body, which you are. And it's not really my responsibility in that sense to force you to do things. So if you don't want to do it, fine. If you don't want to go to that appointment, that's fine. But when it comes to a certain point where push comes to shove, you have to voice your opinion stronger and not not out of guilt, but out of just love. More of I want to be with you long term. So I would like you to take care of yourself. Out of concern. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of brings us to my next question as well, that there have been a few times that you've mentioned just in conversation that you sometimes worry about my medical stuff and the future and what that all looks like. Oh, yeah. All the time, actually. All the time? (laughs) Yeah. 
in in a subtle sense. So, and I'm kind of being jokey about it, but really, like, I if you think about your medical history and the surgeries you've gone through and just how lucky you are to still be here functioning without a Mitrofenov or any ostomy bags or that sort of thing. That's all great, but... Look at you using medical terms. Well, I've listened to a lot of, <laughs> a lot of your podcasts, all, all every episode, so uh, I and edited a few, so I, <laughs> I, uh, even if I don't know what it means sometimes, I, I know what the word is, so... But yeah, even if right now you're good, your kidneys have been affected... Yeah. They still are affected. Yeah. We had a scare a couple months ago. Exactly. Things like stage, what what stage kidney uh, disease? I was diagnosed with stage one kidney disease when I was 23. Right. And you're 30 now. Yeah. So. We had a scare back in April, right before I turned 30, where my blood work showed that I might be stage three. Right. And then it was a fluke, luckily. Right. But it scared me enough that I started seeing a nutritionist and, like, so really working to try to change habits that will prevent it from getting that far, hopefully. Right. So far, you're you're in a good place. You're, yeah. You're totally stable. You take some medications, but those are really all preventative and re- regulatory stuff for you. But... You know, we're getting older. We're I'm almost thirty, you are thirty. You just we just had a scare with your kidneys and what's the next ticking time bomb, you know? Right. I mean, I'm hoping there's not, but you have to be realistic in your expectations for what's going to come because God forbid something else happens, you don't want to be caught off guard. Right. So as the years are going by, I I still learn new things about your medical journey every day. And I think that's really important because I can better prepare myself for what could happen in the future. So yeah, I, I do think quite often about and try to prepare myself for what could happen. And I hope nothing happens, but let's be real. Something probably will. <laughs> Life is crazy, and you never know what it's going to throw at you next. I mean, not even with your bladder extrophy stuff. Think about pregnancy. Yeah. Think about, you know, we want to we're we want to have kids at some point. What what if the pregnancy puts you or the child at risk, or we can't even do natural conception because your body just won't allow you to do it, or it would be dangerous for you or the child. So. It's not just the things that could happen because of what you've been through, but what the kind of fall off is from that too, so. Yeah, well, and also the likelihood of our kid also having bladder extrophy is right. is a scary thought. Right, exactly. So you just have to be cognizant of the situation and try to be at peace with what you have at the moment and hope that nothing comes up but if it does you got to be ready for it so yeah i should probably do more research into some of the things i'm concerned about just so that i'm aware or maybe we should have a talk about that 
Probably. We haven't really had a talk about <laughs> things that could happen. No, we haven't. So maybe that's something to bring up with your partner and discuss because you don't want them to be caught off guard if yeah something happens, God forbid. So I think part of it also, I mean, for a while and like not anymore, I don't feel it anymore, but for a while I was kind of scared that the, the thought that having problems with having kids and things like that would be enough to scare someone away. Well, that's why you should well. talk. That's why yeah. you should talk about it early, early yeah. on. I mean, everybody has their own way of processing through a relationship, but yeah. I mean, I for me it's always been important to discuss those things early because if you don't want kids, then totally fine, but if you do and you or your partner can't make that happen naturally or whatever, then if you get down the road and you get to that point and then you're like, well, shoot, what are yeah. we doing? So. Sometimes, you know, that's a deal breaker for some people. So it's important to talk about. And I think there was a while where I was concerned that that would be a deal breaker. But, right. you know. But I, I'm a huge advocate of communication, if not over communication. In a relationship. I mean, I think we're pretty good at communicating. Yeah, you're good at communicating. I don't know if I'm good at communicating, but you're good at communicating. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> past experiences, you know, always influence future decisions, right? So yeah. I've found it best to just be as open as possible in all aspects of life because your life just becomes so intertwined that, you know, if you're not on the same page about something and all of a sudden, shocker, I don't want to have kids or something, so... Yeah. And I think, too, another thing is that with having medical problems and being with a partner, I mean, you normally don't think of your partner having medical problems until you're older. Right. Right. So I don't know. How does that affect having like a partner now? I mean, is that kind of weird to wrap your head around or? No. Like doesn't age you emotionally at all? (laughs) No. I mean. I picked you because of your personality, because of your looks, because of all these other things, not because of your medical history. That was a bonus package that I got. (laughs) It's a bonus package. Yeah, it's a bonus. It's made life really interesting, you know, or a very small part of it. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, what am I going to do? Just sit here and grovel in my, yeah, or stress myself out about this decision in my relationship because I, I don't, I don't stress in the now. I, you know, I stress in the future, but right now things are great. Things are fine. I don't, it doesn't bar us from doing anything. Yeah. We can do whatever we want. We don't have any, I mean, thank goodness, but because there are so many other situations where we couldn't do camping trips or yeah go out to on long weekend trips or any stuff like that that we've heard that I've heard in some of your stories, you know, some people just aren't as, I don't mean, I don't want to call it lucky, but some people aren't as lucky. Yeah. So no, I mean, it doesn't affect us in the, <laughs> it's our dog. It doesn't affect us in the now. And I'm not going to stress out about it now because we're all good. So if something starts to happen and we need to, I need to start paying closer attention to you in that regard, then of course, but it doesn't affect right now. So, yeah. So what are some of the main challenges that you've noticed from your experience with me 
of dating someone with an invisible disability and how do you handle it? I don't really find it challenging. You don't find it challenging? No. I mean, things are different, right? We have to do sheets more often and I should probably help you more with that. But like I said, you're pretty stubborn and usually you take care of it yourself. So, (laughs) I mean, besides that, there are no challenges. We're... You're usually pretty good about voicing up if you need to find a restroom or if we need to pull over on a road trip or yeah, that sort of thing. But it's not really a challenge. It's just adjusting your expectations and your lifestyle to better fit you and your partner so that you can both be comfortable doing the things that you want to do together. And then supporting them when they need support. I mean, I'm kind of looping back to some of the other questions, but I don't really feel challenged in that regard because of your medical history. It doesn't really affect me that way. So it's not a challenge. Okay. It's not a challenge if you love somebody. No. I mean it. Like, yeah, if you... If you love that person, it's not going to be a challenge. It might be challenging, but it's not going to be... Because I associate the word challenge as a negative or, well, as a stressful kind of, you know, daunting, you know, task that you have to take on. It's not a task. I'm not taking care of you and, you know, by your bedside or that sort of thing. Luckily, you know, hopefully that never happens. But it's not a challenge. It's just adjusting the way that you're living your life so that both of you are as comfortable as you can be and it's not it's not a challenge for you either you know or a challenge for them so anyway I'm just kind of talking in circles on this now it's not a challenge <laughs> it's it's just being supportive wherever you can be so yeah okay that makes sense does it make sense yeah I don't think it makes sense <laughs> I kind of talked myself out of it but <laughs> Well, do you have suggestions for other people on how to be a good ally or a good partner to someone who has a disability without necessarily becoming a caregiver? Well, I think you could break that down into a few categories. Physically, if they need care or help, like I, as an example, as I said earlier, changing bed sheets and doing clothes or or doing loads of laundry, that sort of thing. You can be supportive in that way and a good partner. And then on the mental health side of things, you need to know when to push your partner to therapy if they need it, I guess I would say. Like, there's only so many things that you can deal with as a spouse to somebody before maybe professional help is needed and that could just be related to medical trauma or to self-confidence or to depression or that sort of thing like you you have to know when to draw the line to refer somebody out to a medical professional I guess I, I would say so that you yourself are not becoming the caregiver now of course I know there's plenty of people out there that are caregivers and spouses to their partner, whether that be bedside care or helping change ostomy bags or whatever. But I think I want to go back to when you said emotional support. Yeah. Because you're really good at that. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to give a couple of like small examples sure. of things that are helpful that you do. So like, and this is, I mean, again, going back to it's, it's an uncomfortable topic, you know, having accidents and not being continent at night. It's embarrassing. Right. We'll just as use an this as an example because I think it's it's a it's one of our number one examples is is incontinence. So I think it's a good a good topic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you have a way of broaching subjects very gently, which I appreciate. So like for instance, if I do have a problem at night and we're getting up in the morning or something and instead of just saying oh did you have an accident last night you just ask oh do we need to wash the sheets today yeah it's just kind of a roundabout way of saying it without like placing blame anywhere or like calling someone out it's just an easier way of saying it or there was one time early recently where i had an accident and we woke up and got up and started heading to the kitchen and you asked do you want to take a shower first and, and I'll make some coffee and have breakfast ready and yeah it was a nice way to start the day too I mean taking a shower and then having your coffee made ready but I mean it was a gentler way of saying honey you had a problem right you stink please go take a shower yeah <laughs> you just like, you have to approach these kind of things with uh, a little bit of understanding and what's the word for it like not beating around the bush but you just i think gentle understanding is important because i figured out eventually that this was going to be a a common thing i didn't realize that you were incontinent as much as not that it happens a lot but you know most people are not incontinent so i didn't realize that this would be as consistent of a it's not an issue but that's the word i'm going to use it's not yeah. it, it wasn't i didn't realize it was going to be that consistent of an issue until i started experiencing it more and learning that that's just how you operate and that's how your body is and so of course i'm not there to place blame on you for this happening you have no control over something like this and you aren't doing it on purpose and even though it might not be fun to change the sheets one to three times a week or whatever it is it's just something that you have to do because that's what's happening and that's it's not going to change and yeah that's part of your life and you have to either accept it or you don't need to be there anymore you know yeah so. and then, and another thing too that was helpful that was you trying to help lighten my load as well since I do like to do the sheets on my own and (laughs) just kind of take care of that there's been a few times where you suggested like oh instead of like washing the sheets all the time why don't we just go buy another set like let's find alternative solutions so you're not running the washing machine so often and having to do chores around the house that much more yeah, because it's yeah. An, it's an inconvenience. Not it's not an inconvenience to me, but it's an inconvenience to you. Basically, it more than more than it is to me. You know, you're the one that has to. And if you'd like more help with the, with the <laughs> washing, let me know. I'm not gonna ask know, you to do that though. I know, but you could if you wanted to. 
and that's what I'm here for if you need it. But right now you got to unhold. But with that being said, it is an inconvenience to you. You know, you do have to do the sheets and or before we bought multiple sets. And yeah. so finding the solution on how to be supportive, um, whatever way that may, may be, is kind of what you got to do. So. Yeah. So sometimes it's just like a little bit of problem solving. Yeah, it's problem how solving. How to make it easier for both of us. It's problem solving. It's understanding. It's being patient. It's it's not placing blame. It's being a good partner. It all goes back to that. <laughs> it's being a good supportive partner, not only in everything, every other aspect of your relationship, but especially in this topic, which is you know medical stuff. So. Yeah. And I don't know if we really have enough experience yet for this question, but I think it's something interesting to contemplate and think about is like how to maintain the boundary between being a romantic partner and also being a caregiver and like how to navigate that. I'm not sure I really understand that one, but what can you can you maybe phrase it in a different way? Yeah, so like I mean, we're not at the phase or hopefully ever where you're going to have to be a full-time caregiver for me, but I mean, how would you be able to separate that, you know? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a tough question. I mean, we're not at that point, but it's interesting to think about of, you know, is there going to be a time where we're going to have to figure that out? Well, that's just you another know? that's another future problem it's a future problem (laughs) and yeah i can think about it now but i have no idea how i would react to it yeah i know i would react understandingly and you know supportively but i don't know how i would do that yeah Uh, i i like to approach most of the new problems that we run into with patience and if i don't know if i don't know a lot about it learning research. <laughs> research and learning i research everything i, o- I over research everything because it makes me feel better about what i know so yeah i mean i mean i keep going back to the ostomy thing but because that could be a problem at some point you know hopefully not but but yeah you just gotta i mean kind of maintain the boundary yeah this is a hard one but yeah it is a hard one i mean I mean, I'd be curious to to maybe hear some perspective on that from somebody who does deal with this. Yeah. Because you yeah. just have to adapt and... I mean, I know you're, you're caring for that person because you love them. It's not your job. But yeah. how do you still maintain that level of romantic feelings... I mean, it's got to be, keep taking them on date nights, keep going to the movies, keep doing popcorn nights, keep going on camping trips, just do what you can to, to still show that love that you have for them. But if it, if you can't do it the same way you did before, then because of something you can't control, then it is what it is. And you need to figure out a new way to, to be that romantic partner. So, yeah. That makes sense. Like, if we're not able to leave the house or whatever, like yeah. if someone's bedridden, I mean, find a way to make movie night at home fun so that you're still, you're not just showing them that you care about them only through the caregiving. Right. But also at the same time, I think something important to consider is that you don't have to be there all the time. And I, you can be concerned about somebody and if you are their caregiver at that point, absolutely. But you need to get yourself help. 
you need to get yourself professional help in the form of uh, an at-home nurse or visits from you know a traveling doctor or and and going out and having me time because you can't be around your partner 24 7 it's just not viable for either of you whether you think you need to be or not and maybe that's harsh but i think it's the truth so i think also not just me time but also possibly getting help emotionally whether it be going to see a therapist yeah because watching somebody you love go through something hard is is hard emotionally yeah. Well, so if you're struggling with that, I think that's something to pay attention to. And if you need to have someone that you talk to to get your feelings out and work out how you feel about it. And hopefully you can discuss that with your partner, too. And not saying, hey, you're making my life miserable and I need yeah. time away. But more so, hey, I understand that you're going through this and I'm here to support you 100%. But this has been tough and yeah. I need help and it's not because of you directly but the situation that we're in well, is affecting me yeah watching someone you love go through something potentially painful is right. not easy right and you and know? voicing it just want to make them feel better and you can't necessarily do anything about it I and mean, voicing it in a way where there's no guilt place yeah. and hopefully they don't feel like they are a burden or whatever words you want to use for it but yeah hopefully they understand and or making them understand that this isn't yeah it's, it's the cliche it's not you it's me thing you know yeah or you the, just get, i need to get help i need to go talk to someone yeah so i can work out my feelings about this yeah so that i can also better support you though yeah 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 so but yeah, I'd be curious to talk to somebody or maybe one day you'll interview somebody that you can bring the same question up with. Yeah. You know, and hopefully they'd be open to talking about it in a safe environment. Yeah. So. Is there anything else that you can think of that you feel is important to talk about that kind of relates to relationships and medical stuff? I feel like we covered a lot of stuff, but I'm sure there's things that you guys out there are thinking of that you want to know, in which case, feel free to just write to us. <laughs> I think that, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. So I, as I said, I, I listen to all of Becky's podcasts and I edit some of them. So I really get to hear, I feel like I have a really good understanding with how many interviews she's done with people talking about their partners and... Who was the girl that she she had bladder atrophy and her boyfriend her she waited like two years to tell her boyfriend's family and he was always oh yeah 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 what was her name um that was Cameron so yeah listening to interviews with people when they talk about their partners and in this example talking about Cameron who Becky interviewed and Cameron has bladder atrophy and she was talking about her her boyfriend and just listening to how adaptive he was to her situation and it was ne don't it's never about you it's always about the other person and especially for somebody like me that is completely healthy and I have no long-term ailments and I'm you know, in good physical health, 
it's it's never your your problems are never an inconvenience to me and they never should be and it shouldn't hopefully i mean this is all my opinion right but i in my opinion being a good partner means being supportive in the sense that you are not an inconvenience i am here for you for whatever you need i will go the extra mile if you need me to but if you want to take care of this yourself you got it and i'm not going to be overbearing and try to control your appointments and your pills that you take or anything like that. But just being patient and understanding. I keep going back to these like core words because they're not, they're so important not only in your whole entire relationship, but they're so important in this topic especially because you can't, it is not this person's fault. They did not ask for this. And I've heard almost all of them say they wouldn't take it away. And that's, you have to be there for that. You have to be present for it. And hopefully well yeah you just have to be present so yeah patience kindness understanding you know not passing the blame there, there you have to be so many things for your partner but if they're the person for you then it's worth it right right so you have to work a little maybe you have to work a little extra harder it doesn't feel like work for me but if i get to keep you around for a little bit longer that's that's the payoff so <laughs> yeah i like you I like that you use Cameron as an example, too, because I actually really liked her story about how her boyfriend, you know, helps her come up, come up with excuses to, you know, it's, leave situations. It's super or cute. Like, yeah. She's in the bathroom longer than normal and he comes up with an excuse. Right. Or, because not everybody's comfortable with, with talking about those kind of things, right? In front of random strangers or whatever. I mean, you've been put in a place where you've kind of outed yourself. and you don't, Yeah. Your privacy's kind of gone on this, but I think you're okay with it. You <laughs> yeah. know, because you have this platform that you're trying to represent people and be open and honest about things. But... Yeah, if you if you need to pull your partner out of there and have them take you home and nobody needs to know anything. It's not their concern, it's not their problem. So I think but that's how they that's how they deal with it. Yeah. Right? So and I was gonna say that comes back around to look, they communicated that ahead of time. Right. Like they understand that that's the situation, that's the level of comfort that she has with her medical problems and like other people knowing about them and he was on board for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So and also that like he was there for not telling his family right away. Yeah. Like letting her choose when she felt comfortable enough and ready and safe to do that, mm-hmm. I think was really sweet. Oh absolutely, yeah. I think she's gotta keep her. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah. It just uh love is weird and you don't get to choose all the cards in your hands sometimes and you gotta figure out what how to work it out without if you want if you want to be with this person bad enough none of this should matter this should all be secondary but as important as it can be but it should all be secondary your relationship should come first and everything else is is in the back seat so yeah i mean if it feels right it's right right so yeah yeah all right well thanks for coming on thank you let me let me know if anybody else has more questions we'd love to hear your opinions and yeah your thoughts on this if if you have a partner who has a medical condition and hopefully i didn't sound like a complete ass (laughs) i don't think anyone will think that thanks
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts at. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Also consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. I'm still trying to figure out some new incentives and reasons to join Patreon. If you have any ideas of things you would like to see, please share them with me. If you would like to share your story or know somebody who does, I can be contacted through my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com or on social media. Thanks for listening.